Welcome back to another session of Sports Sesh. I'm Guy Young, and these guys are just guys. Now, I want to just jump right into hot topics. Earliest memory of Dirk, it was probably probably a year he was playing with Steve Nash. I kept hearing somebody named Dirt, like with a T, so I was like, why is there a dude named Dirt in the league? And then I, you know, I found out he was actually pretty good, so. Unbookmarked Tankathon from my top scroll. <laughs> Never. But now it's a website I have to look at, apparently, because things haven't gone so well. But uh, that'll be a lot of what we discussed today on the four pointer. I'm Mike. He is Jake. The only reason I go to Tankathon is because I want to look and see if that guy that James Dolan banned from MSG is going <laughs> to get to see Zion play or not. That'll be great. I think he said it in a weird way, too. We didn't play the audio today, but he said it in a sell way Sell your of, team? Well, the fan said sell the team, and then the guy said, and then Dolan said, how would you like to not come to any more games? I'd like to invite you to not listen to our station anymore. Which is like... what he said? It's not the... like The most direct way to say that would just be, hey, I'm going to ban you from the arena. Yeah. or something. But he said, how would you like to not come to any more games? Yeah, how would you like... It's very suggestive. <laughs> right. It's like, how would you like to not... I don't know. That, that that's a clunky sentence to begin with. <laughs> How would you like to not? Right. I I don't even know what you're saying anymore. I got lost in that verbiage. But uh, yeah. So uh, sorry about the absence. Um, I could give you the long form of it, but I'll just tell you I was in Charlotte, Houston, L.A., Utah, about three straight weekends. So it made this a little difficult. And uh, you know, life happens. Um, so uh, we're back. Uh, your Dallas Mavericks emotional north star. It's me and Jake. It's the four-pointer. Happy to be here. And uh, not so happy with the record, but it is what it is. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the things that are pertinent because of the record. Um, if you want a little up-to-the-minute info, uh, Luca is going to be questionable tomorrow night against the Spurs after I couldn't quite figure out exactly what happened uh, to him last night. Um, I think in the postgame he said he heard a pop. Yeah. But he kept playing can't say stuff like that no unless it's he'll he'll learn that that'll be uh that's a vet move to don't say whenever you hear something pop in your leg uh but he was so late in the locker room that i literally had other things to go do <laughs> that were more time sensitive than that so i didn't see him in the locker room so i had to hear it kind of secondhand so didn't want to misquote it but he definitely said he heard up heard a pop he also dropped a little uh tidbit about being surprised there wasn't a timeout called um Whenever Harden missed that uh, left side layup to go ahead, what would, it would have been four at that point, I think. I think they're up two. Or I can't remember the score. Screw me. Whatever it is. It was a one-possession game. Um, and he looks to the sideline after he gets the rebound. No timeout. Okay, let's go end-to-end with a point guard that's kind of hobbling around. 
Um, throws it to Jalen Brunson, who does the best he can. Kind of thought he got fouled by Chris Paul with a sneaky under-the-shoulder shot block attempt, which is the dirtiest of dirty pickup basketball moves. Um, but didn't get called, so it doesn't matter. And Jalen Brunson just gets his shot, quote-unquote, blocked uh, cleanly by Chris Paul, and the game's over. But, uh, yeah, that's up to the minute stuff. Stuff we learned from practice today was he's going to be questionable for Tuesday against the Spurs. I don't hate not calling the timeout. It's weird that he says he didn't know. I mean, I think (laughs) you would talk about that beforehand, but we've seen him convert that. Oh, absolutely. The only reason I would say absolutely call the timeout is because I saw him run the last five minutes before that, and I wasn't sure he could get over a half court without getting a eight-second. And it did take him five seconds to get it over half court. And then he got tripled like 35 yeah. feet away from the rim. Dude, which he I was not yeah. expecting. That was a lot. That was throwing the dog food out there. Uh, three dudes trapped him in. I don't know if he wasn't hurting and if he was like in the right frame of mind. I feel like he just jumps up and makes that pass to Dwight Powell, who did the right thing. His man just bailed him and he just started going straight to the rim. Uh, and that's a play that could have been made. But, you know, um, whenever things get frantic. Uh, the easy thing isn't so easy anymore, right? I would say that, or you give it to Brunson quicker because yeah. he is wide, wide open. Yes. <laughs> I mean, whenever Harden uh, is sticking, it, it, what a disaster. Yeah. But if I don't know if I love the idea of the ball being in Brunson's hands for the final shot, but, I mean, he, he could have, like, run into the paint with yeah. the ball if Luke had found him earlier. But – you know, it's weird, too. I mean, it was a perfect game for the tanking debate. Oh, for sure. And uh, I think Luca was Luca was really upset after the game. Like, he did one of the pull his jersey over his head things, which is his sign for, like, uh, Hulk smash. Emotion. Yeah. That's his ultimate anger is when he hides his entire head inside of his jersey. Um, like, if, like, like the two people that make the horse costume. <laughs> like, for Halloween. But, uh... Yeah, and I was in. I think Bobby like saw that happen on the replay on Fox. And he goes, "Why was he so upset?" And I think it's honestly because he didn't put enough on that pass. No, it was, it was lazy. Nah, I don't yeah. know about the word is lazy, but it was weak. Yeah, it was a the pass. Had to come back for it a little. Yeah, bit. the ball, the ball kind of got away from him, and Brunson had to come back, and then you just you're dead. You're dead after that. There were plays we made that didn't get made. You lose the game. Uh, when Houston was shooting, like uh, I got the final box. Let's see. <laughs> Their overall field goal percentage is going to make me really, really hurt. Oh, God. You lost to Houston when they shot 36% from the field. That really hurts, man. They've um, only won two other games this year where they scored under 100. That's crazy. And it was like the first couple weeks of the season. Maybe I watched too much basketball, but Houston can chunk up 52 threes in a game, and it doesn't feel weird to me. No. It feels like I, w- I was at Houston the last time they played. Um, what, two or three weeks ago right before the All-Star break, and they shot 64 threes. And Follow on the bus had to tell me that that was the fourth most threes ever taken in an NBA game. I don't even know what any of that means anymore. Yeah, I, I was really like, keep up what? Um, yeah, it's like the most passing attempts or something. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, yep. people are all in on this um, this way of playing, so it didn't really affect my, my eyeball that much. But what that results in is you're 27 and 39 right now. You are the second worst record in the Western Conference. Your star player is hurt, uh, questionable for Tuesday night. It wouldn't surprise me if he didn't participate Thursday either, um, judging by how he was limping around and some of the things he's dealt with this season. So you start the conversation about 
Um, that top five pick that we moved to Atlanta uh, for the rights of Luka Doncic, um, and in turn they took uh, Trey Young. And I didn't think in most normal scenarios that we were honestly going to be faced with the scenario of keeping our first-round pick this year because it's top five protected, as everyone knows. Um, but I also didn't think it was possible to trade for Chris Dapp's Porzingis for three, you know, two of your starters or whatever it ended up being. Two starters that way. One got, uh, no, three. Three, right. Wes, DSJ, and DeAndre. And mm-hmm. then you trading Harrison Barnes as well. So I didn't see any of this coming, if you're asking. Um, we've talked about it at length uh, a couple times. How and proud they were 23 and 28 at the time. Yeah. So that would have put them, what's that percentage-wise? 23 and 28. 45% would currently put them at 10th or 11th. Yeah. So there was a, it didn't, if they would have continued along a similar type path, it wouldn't even have really been close, right. which I don't think was crazy to think. Yeah. I think they could have ended up winning, I don't know, 35 games or something, mm-hmm. which would be just about 43%, which yeah. would have cleared them from even being close. Right. So, well, and, I guess you still would have had about an 11% chance you ended up in the top four. But that's pretty yeah. low. Yeah, and and the um, the the island of impossible things, keeping our top five protected pick lives on that island. But also, four new starters also lives on that island. So I don't think it's that insane. I'm not saying they've done anything. Um, they they changed the course, the the charter has changed, but it doesn't surprise me that they're now, um, they would have the sixth pick in the NBA draft at this moment, and that's kind of like the cutoff line, right? Because you can't. You can't, you're five games back or in front of, however you want to look at it, of the Hawks who hold the fifth pick right now. So there's this kind of, there's this gully in between you and the teams that hold the top five picks. So I don't think you can go any anymore. I think there's a, there's a cliff. You just, you're going to have the sixth pick if you continue on this trajectory, which is five straight losses, which is not a great uh, month of February with this new starting lineup and the things that Rick's been trying. So... This jumps us to, I guess, the debate, the conversation, um, laying our, all our feelings out on the table in regards to how we feel about if that pick, if the lottery gods shine on us, which I don't think we can get, there's almost no way to get the fifth pick. I believe that is impossible, correct. Unless you earn it, unless you are the fifth pick. Right. You can't jump into five. The only teams that get uh, drawn in the lottery – uh, that get mixed up are the top four. So you can jump into the top four if you're outside the top four. If you're six, you can't jump to five. There's no possible way. So the discussion is, I know everyone wanted to get off that pick, and it makes a lot of sense to to be done with your pick obligation to Atlanta, especially since you have upcoming pick obligations to the Knicks. Uh, in terms of two of them, which I don't know if I ever figured out the protections on those, um, quite honestly, but I can look it up on Real GM. Um, just uh, if you want to follow along while listening, NBA Picks Ode is what I Google every time because I don't have this page uh, bookmarked, and it's NBA Future Draft Details. I mean, it's pretty. I'm fairly certain that they're basically unprotected. The first one is unprotected. Two years after Dallas sends a first-round pick to Atlanta, Dallas's first-round pick to New York will be un- unprotected. 
whether it's 2021, 22, 22, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So if so, say you don't uh, convey your pick to Atlanta this year. Atlanta, the pick to Atlanta in theory goes next year. Two years after that is when your pick goes to the Knicks. You start giving picks to the Knicks at that point in 2022, right? And you can't deal a first round pick either. Correct. So I guess um, I didn't get a chance to hear your segments um, or segments plural that you had with Bob and Dan. I just want to be real clear about something, too. The second ones, which will go two years after the first unprotected one, are all top ten protected. Okay, yeah. 2023, 2024, 2025. I think it might turn into second-round picks way down the line, which is Mm. not actually crazy because if Dallas is pretty good. 2025, yeah, it turns into second-round picks, right? Yeah, but most likely you'll be sending a, you would like to think, a uh, mid yeah. to late first round pick. Yeah, send him a nice twenty fourth overall pick in twenty three or twenty four. Yeah. Um. So I didn't. I apologize. I haven't got a chance to hear your segments with Bob and Dan. Um. If everybody else has. Um. But. So tell me your 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 theory on keeping the pick versus conveying the pick versus okay where it sits right now and where I think it's going to be close to ending on the season is, uh, you have the six best odds, um of getting the first overall pick, would you rather give the Hawks the sixth pick or keep the fourth overall pick? And that's kind of what I've been internally struggling with um, for longer than a couple of weeks because, you know, they haven't been playing good basketball. They've been shooting 32.8% from three since the trade. Um, worst net rating in the league since the trade. You can see that this is a, a uh, not just a struggling team, but a team kind of sapped of talent at this moment without Porzingis playing. Well, so. you have to. I want to give some credit to the Lakers who have now passed us. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the they've played fifteen, we've played sixteen since the date of the trade, and the Lakers now have the thirtieth wow. net rating. The Mavs are, are twenty nine, and incidentally, the team that we ship three fifths of our starting lineup to is twenty eight. <laughs> I can't. Our, our fingerprints are everywhere. I'm not going to be able to explain this Lakers season. Do you know who number one is? Number one pick. What are in you that about? stretch? Since in net rating? January 31st. In net rating? A team um, that you do not want to see in the playoffs. Um, the Detroit Pistons. Oh, wow, really? They're 13-3 and three in that stretch and are, like, I want to say top five in offense and defense. That's crazy. They're number one in offense and number seven in defense. Good for them. During that stretch. They could be a problem. Wow. How are they playing that well? Yeah, I don't know, but I know that... We, we saw them at the... Well, I guess the first game of that stretch, whenever we had like half a lineup. I mean, Blake has been on another yeah. freaking Blake's been planet, nuts. and Drummond's averaging like twenty rebounds a game. Yeah, Reggie Jackson's kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a team crazy. that I think could be a problem. <laughs> in a wow. for a, like, you know, if you're looking at Philadelphia or or Boston or one of these teams that if they don't make the conference finals is going to be panicking. Mm-hmm. The Pistons are a problem. Yeah, they really uh, are, man. Front. But anyways, yeah, you're right. They went the Mavericks went from, you know, about middle of the road net rating and middle of the road shooting and top 10 and rebounding to bottom in everything. Yeah. So the first thing is is that it's kind of just a theoretical or academic debate because it's not like in years past where they would uh shut people down mm-hmm. or even like, you know, you know what actually it's in a different notebook. I was going to say I still have the box score they're shooting 41% from three in the last 15. That's how Detroit's doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Maybe that's not sustainable. Sorry. But Blake is shooting very well. From yeah. Three. 
for a while, I used to carry around the box scores from the end of last year mm-hmm. and from the end of 2017 because which was the Aaron Harrison year? That was last year. Okay, right? so they were – and he played like – DeAndre Liggins was the year before. He played – there was an Andrew Harrison game where he might have played 48 minutes. Yeah. And yeah. so they were so obviously – or Aaron Harrison's game. Aaron, yeah. So they were so obviously, you know, I guess trying to lose based on the way that they were – you know, jimmying with the uh, mm-hmm. with with playtime that I don't know that felt I don't they're so bad that it doesn't really matter what we think because they they just don't have good players right now or at least they don't have players they have good players who are being asked to do more than they're probably capable sure. of doing at least at this point of their career on the fly so it doesn't really matter what I think um, in the sense that they're going to lose games either way mm-hmm. I would rather get off the pick. Because, first of all, I don't like watching Luka lose. Um, right. He just doesn't look like – I mean, that's good that he's not handling it well. And someone brought up to me today, like, well, Dirk lost a ton at the start of his career. Why do you care? But, I don't know, I think it's a different situation because Doncic has never really dealt with sustained losing. And I'm not saying that I'm worried about how he'll handle it, but just from a fan standpoint – I'm not going to watch that game last night and not want him to score at the end of the game to beat the Rockets at home. Right. Like, I'm just maybe detached from it after the fact. You can say, okay, well, I guess it's probably, maybe it's better that they lost that. But the, the second and I think most important thing to me is I don't want them to be in a position where they think they have to play heavy minutes for a rookie next year. And I know it sounds crazy because I'm basically saying I'd rather give the sixth or seventh pick than the 14th or 15th pick next year. But I don't think I don't I don't think a team that's trying to make the playoffs next year is really going to sit, give heavy minutes to Cam Reddish because I think they'll have signed two or three other big I don't know about big time but impact type free agents that are going to start for you and I was texting with Followell today. If you don't think that there wouldn't be a mutiny if they end up with Cam Reddish and he's like a 20 minute a night bench guy People are going to be pissed about that, too. Mm-hmm. If you draft a top-five player, I feel like you have to play him. And if you play him, you're probably not making the playoffs. That just doesn't happen that often. Yeah. And I, I know, I, and I could kind of go either way on it, but Followell's research was basically just that uh, in the last, like, 10 years, rookies who play... 2,000 minutes, wasn't it? Heavy minutes, 2,000, 1,800, whatever it is, mm-hmm. there's just not that many of them. And yeah. I, I don't know enough about the college game yet. Uh, I'm about to that point to where you could really dive in, but it seems to me like you'd have a hard time finding minutes for Cam Reddish on a team that I think can finish fourth or fifth in the West next year if their cap space even does a moderate job of fetching talent. So what are you going to do with that guy? Is he going to sit on the bench for a couple of years? I don't know. I'd rather sign guys who are 25 to 26 uh, who can – play with Luca and KP and win as early as next year. I don't I don't disagree with anything that you just said. Um and I think it's kind of fascinating to look at Dennis kind of taught us a lot, right? In the short time he was here. He's here 18 months or about so. Expectations. About expectations <laughs> about a team feeling obligated to start and play heavy minutes to a ninth overall pick, not even a fourth overall pick. I mean, we knew what Dennis was um, in terms of he's the fifth point guard taken in his draft class. He's, you know, he's rough around the edges. He's not going to contribute positively to winning for maybe the first two or three years. And they knew as well. But it's 
just because he is your lottery pick doesn't mean he's one of the best lottery picks that happened. Um, and so we live in this new world where we have a, a, a new, a new training, training wheels, training guide for how we treat lottery picks and top 10 picks. And I don't know if they'll ever, I'm not saying that was a mistake to start Dennis from day one, but it, I think it eventually, whenever the whole story comes out, I think that was part of the issue this year. Um, that I'm a starter, you're starting me, that's how this is going. If you don't want to start me every game, then find me another place. Um, it's tough so, to get that back. It's Yeah, you, don't, you can't. You don't unring that bell after you anoint somebody without a game being played. Um, and Rick said it, minute one, I think since Dennis got here, he's going to start, right? Um, and, you know, you think the positives that can – play into that is, you know, the kid gets confidence and the coach believes in, in him and there's some buy-in and stuff like that. But the other side is what exactly happened. Um, you can't unring that bell. You can't you can't reclassify a player halfway through their rookie contract and say, well, buddy, we'd love to try you off the bench right now. Is that cool? Um, so I don't disagree with anything he said. Um, I would like to see I'd – be, I'd be super interested to see what they did with the fourth overall pick if they felt obligated to start that kid. And if he would really be the best player to start, um, but I don't even—I haven't even gotten that far down the road. I'm probably not even going to like scout um, college guys this year that much, because my entire thought process around this pick is: if you get the fourth pick, if you get the third pick, if you get the second pick, you get off the pick almost immediately. Move back. Move back or just sell sell yeah. the thing, trade the thing. Yeah, that's that's more where I'm at, and so that to me that that kind of is the best of both worlds, where you don't feel like you have a guy who you have to play who would not be giving you value because mm-hmm. he would not be improving. I don't think at a on a regular curve, but you maintain the value for a, a later year, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if you're going to be owing New York. Yeah, you know, I I would rather them trade it for a first round pick next year. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd, I mean, I'd rather, obviously I can't talk about other teams' players that I'd like to trade for, but if you have the, say it's the third, you have the third overall pick in this draft, some people will tell you this draft is trash. I would be willing to bet there's four players that are going to have really fantastic NBA careers. Um, and it just depends on how you know thirsty a team is to get a young wing that is projected to go you know two through four in this draft, or John Morant, or you know fill in your blank guy. If you have the third third or fourth overall pick and you have a $21 million trade exception, which that the second part is fact. The first part is maybe a, uh, a possibility. I don't know if you get a better asset that is entirely liquid, movable in the next five years. I don't think you do. You have better assets. You're, I mean, you have Luca. You have Porzingis. You have fill-in-the-blank free agent whoever signs. You have whatever you hope, you know, uh, Brunson, Maxi, Dorian, Finney-Smith develop into. None of that um, is is liquid, is movable, is immediate currency. Is take it to the check-cashing place and it's in my hand. Yeah. The fourth overall pick would be. And I believe if they got the fourth overall pick, that would immediately turn into a veteran player. I don't know. I don't know the rules on you know whenever it starts bumping around your first round picks again. Um, I don't think it affects anything. Like if you 
technically drafted a player for another team type thing. You know what I mean? Yes, and technically they still have not traded a first-round pick because last year they drafted Luka, Mm -hmm. or they drafted Trey Young, rather, and they haven't moved that other pick yet. So I don't believe we have any step-in restrictions yet. Right. And it matters when you do it, but yeah. Yeah, the timing of it. Yeah, they could move that the the day of the draft, the night of the draft. Yeah, and if you get the number one overall pick, if, you know, (laughs) the oddest thing on earth happens and the Mavs improve their draft, uh, lottery odds, and you get the number one overall pick. We'll talk about it then. I don't want to, you know, I'm not even thinking about it. Crazier things have happened, like Cleveland getting the first overall pick three years in a row or whatever it was. Um, but I wouldn't trade that pick. No, I don't think I would. I don't think I would at all. But uh, if it's two, three, four, yeah, I think that is money in your pocket that you are immediately calling other teams and going, hey, how do you feel about? pick two, pick three, pick four for someone that can help us our window right now. So that's, and I, I, I want that pick. I'd rather have the fourth overall pick this year and be, have the maneuverability of that and the trade exception and some of the bad money that we have on our books um, rather than give, get off the pick, than give the seventh overall pick to the Hawks. Because I didn't anticipate this year's pick being this good slash bad, whatever you want to call it. I assumed we'd be giving like the tenth overall pick to the Hawks. Whenever it's we're at sixth right now, <laughs> giving the sixth overall pick to the Hawks kind of pisses me off. And if I could have the fourth and keep it, and that's immediate cash in my pocket, currency to go floating around the league and let Donnie Nelson play with some toys. Which good God would they have some toys this off season to throw around if you have the fourth overall pick? a $21 million trade exception in a team that everybody wants to be on. That's fun. Yeah, that's the best outcome. But I don't. what I don't want them to do is try to force square peg into round hole and try to play a 19-year-old next year with a team that I think has two top 20 players and end up feeling like at the end of the year that they uh, – it would just basically be the same thing as whenever they had to, you know – they would end up starting Dorian is what I'm saying. They <laughs> right. would end up drafting a wing – and two months into the season, they would realize that they have to, that he can't defend anybody. Mm-hmm. And look, I don't know that much about the other two Duke guys other than Barrett and Reddish. But you're going to have to show me a little something more than, you know, 32% to convince oh, yeah. me that Cam Reddish is a, is a, just a, a plug and play 3 and D. I don't know about that, man. That's, Those guys are, seem like they're just like also there. Kind of. Yeah. And I think that's shown when Zion's yeah. been out. So. You know, that's probably, you're probably right. That would be the best case scenario. Although the problem with it. I I think that's the only scenario if they keep that pick. I don't think them playing a 19-year-old extended minutes next year ever happens. And the other thing is, is that I hope they get there by basically just luck and not by like losing. How many games they have left? Uh, What are they, 27 and 16 games? I hope they get there by getting a little bit lucky and not by losing 12 or 13 more times. Right. Because it sucks. Oh, yeah. It's I, awful. I, I don't oh, dude. enjoy it. First thing when we walked in the locker room last night um, and we talked to him, you know, one of the Mavs employees, we, we talked to a ton. He just said, man, a win would go a long way right now. Just one win would go a long way right and, now. And I would feel different if they were in a situation where they were Phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, there's, plenty of times where the guy taking it one or two offers 
Well, actually, that's probably not true. Most of the time, if you're taking it one, historically, you are, you are a pretty sure thing. But yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't feel to me like the the player that they would be getting is all that different. So if I were Phoenix, I might be saying, like, look, we have a chance at another generational talent. I actually do want this team to lose right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you would have to lose almost all the rest of your games to catch Atlanta. Yeah, you can. it's almost impossible, man. It would be a lot. It would be a lot of losing, and I'll tell you something else. There's a chance, like, that if the Ma- – we shouldn't even be having this conversation, but if he plays and Dallas ends up falling so far that it, that they have a worse record than Atlanta, mm-hmm. the rookie of the year is in question. Yeah. It shouldn't be. Right. But if Atlanta finishes that strong and it's all fueled by Trey Young and mm-hmm. Dallas finishes that poorly, yeah, and even if it's not Luka's fault, he's on the floor. Mm-hmm. The odds of that start to change a little bit. Now, maybe you don't care about that. I personally do. Uh, it's it's kind of whatever, man. After the after the All Star thing happened, I was kind of like, screw everybody. I want to just murder the league for about ten years now and make you make you see it. I just don't want to hear about it, man. There's so many people who still talk so much BS about Luca. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of cool because that means that you're pissing people off. Right. Oh, I, but we said this probably after, after the second week. We looked at each other and we were like, this guy is going to piss a lot of people off. Like, he yeah. plays with swag. He plays – he does uh, – if, if I could fix one thing right now, if we're going to, uh, you know, constructive get Constructive criticism. Yeah, constructive criticism and uh, jump on this soapbox that I definitely haven't earned. Um, stop begging for foul calls. See – I'm not sure if it bothered how much it bothers me because especially when they're playing the Rockets, the Rockets complain so much mm-hmm. that he, he doesn't really look like he's standing out. Right. Um, they got a T last night. But what I don't like is when he does it and the ball is still locked. Yeah, they doesn't get back on defense because yeah. he's trying to let this ref know how garbage he is. Either he doesn't get back on defense or if the Mavericks get – on the offensive glass, he kind of removes himself from the set mm-hmm. for at least a couple seconds, and he's getting a ton of calls right now. I mean, he's he's got to be like top five in free throws in like the last two months. I can look up percentile, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it can be annoying, but I also try to guard against it because I don't want to seem like old man. Right, I don't want to seem like old man, but also, I mean, well, I. There's a set of rules in my mind, and like half of them are what I truly believe basketball should be, and then the other half are I know what Rick is looking at. And the connectivity of offense to defense transition uh, in basketball is one of the things I, I'm, I'm fascinated by because it's the most fluid thing that happens in sports to me is how your defense and how you're set up and your rebounding and – uh, you know, do you bitch at the ref after uh, offensive play and not get back? How that relates just absolutely directly to what the other team is about to do in about three seconds and yeah. how possession can be over like that from you just taking your eye, from you looking in the stands for a split second and coming back. But, uh, yeah, he he's the, the 97 point, how do you even say this, 97.5, uh, 97th percentile and free throw attempts per game. So he's getting, that's he's, after starting probably pretty poorly. Right. He's getting calls. I mean, maybe he's going to reset the uh, the standard for what free throw attempts are, like James Harden did. 
um, a couple years ago. Maybe. Maybe he's the outlier. Maybe there's this graph where all this this bunch of superstars here and Luca's over here, and that's how it is the rest of his career. Maybe. But right now, I think it's causing more points the other way almost. Because I feel like he's going to get the calls he's going to get. Him being upset about a few isn't going to change the referee's mind that substantially in the course of a game. And people are getting two points the other way. So yeah, can... he doesn't need any help on being a not great defender. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know that that does kind of bother me. Yeah, it's well, it's one thing that I'm consistently, it's like my uh, crinkle my paper in my hands as I'm watching the game thing. I'm like, stuff it, stuff it, get back on defense right now. Along those same lines, on the flip side of it though, um, Maxi Fate was primarily the primary defender on 25 shots last night, which was by far the game high. He was good and uh, had a. Or maybe the numbers won't say he's good. No, I thought he was minus six point four. Yeah, on uh, Shaqua. I mean, he was switching onto Harden every time. Yeah, and that was crazy handling him. I don't know if uh, old James, old Jimmy, had a long night in Uptown the night before, but that did not look like no James Harden to me last night. I was like, what is happening to this man? But uh, and I wonder, it's just Maxi's rebounding is just yeah not really there because otherwise there's no reason why. Look, I would, I still would say that even with. You know, he just kind of gets hammered on the glass. I would still be fine if he ended up starting next to Porzingis next year. If you somehow end up with the rest of your money Mm -hmm. split between your two other starting spots, you know, that are not Porzingis and Luka, I think you can get by with Maxi, man. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how he's valued. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's, that. I mean, it's, uh, this entire roster outside of, like, Luca and KP and maybe you know whenever the whenever all the starters were here, I feel like we could value some people. But like whenever Barnes was going to get moved, I was like, I'm interested to see the value. Uh, Maxi, the same thing. Like this is a very unique um, scenario in which someone's going to apply a number to your value, and that's what it is. Like there's no, well, I think that guy's better than his contract. No, at the moment you sign your contract, that is what you are worth in your profession, and there's no way around it. And I, I. I think I'd be, I don't know, man. Dodo and Maxi have had huge opportunities over the next uh, last 16 games or something like that. Even kind of before that, they started sneaking them into the lineup a little bit more. And I don't feel like my opinion's changed in a positive way really at all. I feel like it's about stayed about the same. So yeah. more minutes, more opportunity. Obviously, Maxi's missed, what, three games? Um, one was a flu thing or whatever was happening with him. He looked like hell. That day I saw him in Utah. Uh, and then the knee thing the last two games before last night. I think I might need somebody that... I know the I know the, the post-possession is kind of dead. But if Porzingis is truly trailing out to the three-point line every time on the pick and pop, unless he can just, you know, take advantage of whoever is defending him and take him on a, on a pick and roll and just dive at the basket. I'd like to have somebody that I can throw the ball to and maybe this is just, you know, picking nits and uh, looking for a, a luxury in an offense that should be already fantastic. I'd like to have somebody that could throw the ball down to on a one-on-one uh, on the block or block extended um, and just have faith in them getting that bucket. Because Maxi does a lot of fun stuff. He's a streaky shooter, uh, block shots, brings energy, drives hard to the basket, but Man, I just do not feel like he's ever going to get the two points whenever he gets it in weird spots on the floor. 
Yeah, and you have somewhat of a flip side. Well, no, it's kind of the same thing, but I'm really interested in what Powell decides to do now. Yeah, dude, he's been playing. Uh, last night wasn't great. I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but, dude, he's been playing insane. I talked to him today. Actually, I sat down with him and talked to him about, like, mechanics of pick and roll and, like, what does Dwight Powell do in a pick and roll? Like, walk me through every single step you're taking and why you're doing it. And uh, what I started out the conversation with was, do you know that you are the measurement for half-court offense right now? You are the 100th percentile yep. in half-court offense. And he's like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Well, and, it's not just this year. Yeah. And then I was like, do you know what your percentile is in pick and roll? And he was like, I don't want to hear it. I was like, well, I'm going to tell you anyways, 89, 89th percentile. And then I was talking to him about off cuts and stuff like that. But uh, you know, it doesn't get better in half-court offense than what Dwight Powell's done this season from a singular player standpoint. And he was, you know, he made 11 to 12 threes in a row, or he had a stretch where he made 11 to 12 threes. I try not to pay attention to that. To the threes? Yeah. Dude, he was, that one game he made five, I was like. You're going to fall in love with it, and I think I really like the player, even if he's not, you know, able to hit from three. I'd, he's I'd also like him, still going to go through stretches where he shoots 10%. I'd like him to be, keep his head above water from three. I think that adds, that makes him a really nice player. Well, 30, 35 is fine. I mean, it's the same thing as he did last year when they were starting him at the end of the year. And mm -hmm. maybe you just can't, but I don't know. I think you could do a lot worse than having him and Porzingis on the floor together. Oh, I, dude, I think if you have a rim-protecting big, which is definitely what uh, KP would qualify as. And by the way, I think he wants to play five. Yeah, I, could, I mean, I think at the end of the game, he's definitely playing five. I've, I've heard so was, through the grapevine that Porzingis does want to play five. Um, so all the problems you have with the white pal, which is, you know, the defensive instincts just really aren't there. Um, arms aren't really long enough to be a shot blocker consistently. Um, can get, he is a big, bulky, strong dude, but he's just not that thick. He can get bodied. If you just have like a giant pterodactyl behind you cleaning up everything, at least defensively, the pals, we talked about the pals offense. Not a perfect offensive player, but he's perfect for this time in the NBA basketball. <laughs> he just is, man. And him and Luca together, are, dude, that is freaking insane offense. Every time. And I don't know if he's your starting starting at four or however you want to invert it. If you want to call Porzingis the offensive four, Dwight the offensive five, and just flip him on uh, on the defensive side where Porzingis yeah. is the five, Dwight's the four. Um He's got a very nice role going forward, and he's proved it the last two years. And I think it's just a fun reminder um, of exactly what he is. And I mean, he has a player option right now. I think he's outplaying the that's the what I'm ass saying. off his player option. It would be, uh, yeah. I mean, what is it? It's like nine or ten. Ten, yeah. You I think he's outplaying that. that thing substantially right now. At the same time, though, and I love it, and I love that the idea that I think he could be a starter and he's a dang near double-double machine when he does start, mm -hmm. I'm not interested in getting into a like, 13 14 $15 million range, though. Right. And I think there's a chance he might get that. Yeah, And you're possible. right that, hey, get it if you can get it, and that, that is what you are now. But we're, we're kind of seeing this with Tim Hardaway Jr. That, uh, and, you know, I don't think the Mavericks would make Knicks-type moves, but – um. You almost feel for a dude. Well, you don't because they get a bunch of money. 
but um, I feel like they're definitely going to try to make him the sixth man. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not sure. Yeah. I mean, I did a, I did my athletic piece on this last week, and a lot of it is just he's 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 getting open looks, and they're just not falling. Mm-hmm. But I still think his game is best suited as just a microwave. But if they're if they bring back Berea and Brunson doesn't start, I don't know how you find minutes for that guy. Right. But, you know, at the same time, they're probably not just going to stretch him. That's a lot of money to stretch. They're probably going to stretch Courtney Lee at some somebody. But my point is just, I don't know how you find minutes for that guy if you're still playing Brunson. Because Brunson's going to play. Yeah. And most nights, if he's healthy, is going to play. So, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think I would actually rank – I would rank Powell – Probably then Maxi, then Finney Smith, then Brunson for my preference on starting. Because I want someone, I don't know, the Berea thing is just, it's very uncertain. Yeah, and I think, I, I always look at it from, and we've talked about this, you know, a dozen times, two dozen times, um, and just overall basketball philosophy. Your starting unit, I look at it and I go, what can nobody defend? And maybe your closing unit. What can absolutely nobody defend? You don't, people don't roll out the five best defenders in the NBA. You know, that's kind of, that was kind of Rick's rationale behind not calling timeout last night was I wasn't going to stop the play and let them get their five best defenders on the court. Go situational on you. Well, a starting unit is going to be, for most teams, it's just kind of simple as like your highest paid dudes at certain positions. Right. Um, you know, if teams are have the luxury of, you know, working in a DeMarcus Cousins on a championship team, then things get kind of weird. But most nights, if you roll out, you can almost fill in the blanks with uh, league average players. If you roll out Luka, Porzingis, Dwight Powell, tell me who defends that. Yeah, it'd be very tough. <laughs> you just can't. You don't have that three different versatile uh, a wing defender, a a speedy guy that can keep a four from diving, and a guy that can defend a seven three shooter dive guy. It just doesn't exist in a salary cap NBA. So that's kind of where I always go with it. You can you can fill in around that whatever you want. And I I'd love Dwight to be here next year on his to opt in for him to be on his player option. Um, and I think he might seriously consider that because he is such a team guy, like. You can't get into like a real conversation with Dwight until he lets you know. Yeah, I'm I'm doing this because I think that's going to help the team win. I'm doing this because we need a guy that can do that. Yeah, like when I talked about the threes, I was like, "Do you even want to know whenever you're making like eleven or twelve threes? And he's like, "Absolutely not." He's like, "I don't, yeah. I don't want, I don't want to hear. It. I don't even want to know." He's like, "We need somebody that can knock down threes. I'm trying to do it." You know, he's just he's the best team guy you can possibly think of. So it wouldn't surprise me. And the Mavs have paid him a lot of money and made him a lot of money by resurrecting, not, not even resurrecting, just letting his career get to full blossom. So it's just like, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if Dwight Powell's here next year under his current player option contract. Um, so Brunson, <laughs> Brunson is like the biggest, he's the toughest guy for me to judge on this team where I think he's doing positive things most of the time, and I look at the box score at the end of the game, and I'm like, oh, wow. 
And I always say it to myself, I'm like, oh, second round pick scored 18 points and, you know, contributed and wasn't an eyesore on the court. That's pretty neat. But then, in in contrast to most point guards, whenever they start going off, the vision isn't quite there yet. He doesn't get other people involved. Um, I'm not going to compare him to what Harrison Barnes used to do whenever Barnes would go off, which would just be like, well, cool, just let Harrison get his on tough shots. That's totally fine. Yep. But I don't know how good Jalen Brunson is right now. And the numbers have gone up because he's gotten more minutes and people want everyone to, you know, hand clap about Jalen Brunson's play. And, yeah, he's making more threes than he was early in the season and, you know, uh, this, that, and the third. But I watch a game and I'm like, man, what are you? Are you a starting point guard? Are you going to play next to Berea next year? Like, where does this little weird 14-point-a-game player fit in? And I, I don't have an answer yet. And I don't know if I'm going to get one. Certainly, if he's playing, if he's shooting 35% from three, that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, his physical limitations are going to be what they are, which is he's just very, very, he's not long at all. He's the antithesis of what people claim to be looking for, for the most part, and guys who have to defend the perimeter. And, you know, I don't think it's any surprise that I don't have their two man in front of me right now, but I can find it pretty quickly. Uh, I think, you know, you probably don't want Luca and Brunson on the floor together a whole lot. Yeah, that's not a great defensive unit, like and, off the bat. Right. You know, really, regardless of what else you put around them. So um, that's why the Berea thing is so interesting to me. But it, it, it I'm interested to see what that looks like uh, next year because I, I think if he's running your bench unit, all of a sudden you are way more on board with his bag of tricks mm-hmm. um because I do think he can be a decent distributor I just don't think he should have the ball much when Luca's on the floor and I think he's going to have a hard time guarding many one or two guards uh that are in starting lineups yeah and I guess I kind of need to like update my my uh my profile on Brunson because he did have nine assists against Orlando eight against Washington the other two I mean the other three games in the last five he had a total of seven assists though Combined in all, all three of those games. So it is kind of a, a, a helter-skelter um, assist-to-turnover ratio that he runs with um, a lot of the time. But I think now that you hearing you bring that up about him and Luke on the court at the same time, I think that's the only way you could short-circuit short a starting unit of Luke up Porzingis Dwight <laughs> is if for some reason Jalen's out there. Yeah, and, you know, we did mention that you know, you probably don't want to do it with a uh, – you don't want to have a rookie either. But to your point, I think we're more speaking of you can use a guy like Finney Smith if you have to as, as a starter. I would prefer not to, but there's not as much pressure on them in free agency, I think, as some people make it seem like. Because I still think if you have those two guys already here, and then, as you said, if you have Powell, you can you can make it work. Powell – or excuse me, Brunson and Doncic in the 13 games since the trade are, are a minus 4.4. Mm-hmm which is uh, essentially, let's see here. It is, I believe, the worst heavy minutes partner that Brunson has, which is not all that surprising. No, it's not. The The Hardaway thing, I didn't mean to gloss over uh, your Hardaway point. No, I, you know, the his net rating with uh, 
with Brunson is very poor. Also, I, I mm-hmm. I'm I'm confused by him, and I feel like he's going to be here. Yeah, I I mean because he, he's going to be here for two more years. Right. I would I would assume so. I would definitely assume so. Um, and he's kind of exactly what I expected, but he's clearly a bigger part of the offense than. I don't know. He's a huge part of the offense. He's a huge shot taker, huge shot creator. He has a big, um, big say in what the identity of this offense is. But I, I don't feel like he's like overachieved or underachieved. I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's, that's THJ. Like he's gonna, you know, occasionally drop twenty on you. Never gonna blow up. And maybe it's playing next to Luca where he doesn't get the shot attempts necessary to have a 30 point game or just take something over. But, uh, I mean, his field goal attempts are not down that much. You know, he's actually taking more threes this year than he was with, uh, well, it's just barely more a game, but he's just, they're just not falling. Yeah. And he's never really been a consistent three point shooter. So whenever you have a guy who's average at best, who then experiences a combination of new teammates Mm -hmm. and you can, He's definitely gotten better at trying to get to his spots because early on it was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I remember the Bucks game in particular on a Friday night because we actually went to that game. He he just looked kind of lost. But if you combine a new offense, and really you could not have two offenses that are more different than one another. Oh yeah. Than the Knicks, uh, really any Knicks offense he was in, and the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. And so you combine a complete system overhaul with bad luck, and all of a sudden you're sitting below 30% and you're kind of unplayable. Um, we would have, you know, we would have been slaughtering Wes for being oh, this yeah. bad with this number of attempts. And, you know, similar type of player in that two guys who are somewhat marred perception-wise by their contracts. But mm-hmm. the one thing that Wes and Barnes did was they hit open shots. And I was kind of thinking, all right, well, he wasn't getting any open looks in New York. Certainly when he gets here, it'll be different, and it has not been different. The share of his shots that is higher or that is uh, that are unguarded is much, much higher. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's the highest he's experienced since his last year in Atlanta, but the last year in Atlanta does somewhat give me hope. Um, Where did that- the free throws go? Where are they? <laughs> his free throw attempts are half with the, with the Mavs compared to the Knicks. Like- yeah. That I can kind of understand just because he doesn't have the ball as much, but he is still shooting just as much. He's just taking a lot more catch-and-shoot shots, which is exactly what he did his last year in uh, Atlanta when he didn't get a lot of free throws either, but he did shoot the ball pretty well. He was above league average uh, in effective field goal percentage, and in fact, that's the only time that's happened in his career. If you just go year by year and look at the league average for effective field goal percentage, which is a little bit wonky because it's also including bigs mm-hmm. who can go nuts in that statistic. But he's basically been a below average shooter for pretty much his entire career. But I do still have hope that on a bench unit, even if you were able to find – see, the thing about playing a three-guard lineup of Brunson, Beret, and Hardaway, that's way different than Yogi Ferrell, J.J. Beret, and Devin Harris because mm-hmm. he might not be a good defender, but if you're 6'6", you know, you can guard most bench yeah. guards. And so I think there's some hope they can reclaim what he had in Atlanta. The type of shots he's getting this year with Dallas most closely resemble what he had his last year in Atlanta. 
um, but they're just not falling. So what you're hoping for is kind of a combinate like a Harrison Barnes type situation where you take some of the skills that you learned by having to have way too much put on your plate, mm-hmm. combine that with kind of bringing back the role you had that got you paid in the first place in your last stop and hope that you can meld the two together <laughs> and come up with a six-man, basically. Yeah. Because that's what that really would be, is a guy who, if you get him looks, can knock him down, but in a pinch can also go get you a bucket. Mm-hmm. Which I think he has the ability to do, and he's still only 26. And I don't think Berea or, you know, I don't think of Brunson as a typical six-man type guy like even if he's your first guard off the bench or whatever next year he's still primarily going to be in the role of distributor yeah hopefully i would hope so and uh just for reference looking at hardaway's per 36 he's playing fewer minutes with us um what three fewer a game um it looks like uh yeah 32.6 with the knicks 28.9 with us so it's more uh indicative of what's going on to look at his per 36, which the field goal attempts are almost exactly the same, 17.2 per 36 uh, with the Mavs, 17.4 with the Knicks. Three-point attempts are actually up, but the percentage is below 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a feel for that. Free throw attempts per 36 with the Knicks are 5.6 a game. With us, it's three, uh, and he's shooting only 73 or 74% on those free throws whenever he does get them. And I think it's just uh, a stat line and a, uh, you know, peripheral uh, data points of a guy that's not really comfortable yet. Um, And you might, you know, you usually don't see that with dudes that make that much money and have been maxed out. They kind of have a direct um, or the majority of the identity of a team, of an offense is related to them. But I just feel like he's kind of drifting through it at this point. And it's up to them this offseason to figure out how Tim Hardaway Jr. positively impacts basketball games for them going forward if he's on the roster. Because I would go back to the same thing I said about using the pick for a player. Is I really do think that regardless of whether it's, oh, we think we can get a meeting with KD or Kawhi Leonard or it's signing, you know, whether it's Vooch or whether it's Chris Middleton, whatever, there's no reason that they can't threaten for... I mean, the top half of the Western Conference next year. Like, if you have two top 20 players and you don't just completely botch everything around them, you know, it's really not that crazy to think that you can be at least in that four, five, six range. And if you don't, if you have a guy that you feel like you have to play because he makes almost $20 million a year who is just a bad fit, then you're not going to get there. Yeah. So there's to me there's just no reason why they shouldn't consider themselves on par with like Utah or Portland next year. No yeah. reason. And it's it's almost the same conversation. We could probably copy and paste a lot of the conversations we had about Harrison Barnes, right? Where every year going into the season I was like, "Okay, I think you know what everyone's going to do. Um their identity and their careers have kind of can tell you what exactly is going to happen." This year changed obviously cuz Luka, but I was like, "What you need to figure out is how do you get a positive offense out of Harrison Barnes? And I feel like I'm going to say the same thing going into next season um, because the breaking point, the room for improvement is there. The room for efficiency is is there. The guy's clearly talented, and I feel like you can short-circuit a rebuild pretty quick if you just get off a contract to get off a contract. And yeah. by all estimation right now, he's underperforming what his contract is but it's a unique situation, and you have to keep that in your mind every time you think about it. 
you have to go, okay, the dude got moved midseason. It's a brand new offense. He probably doesn't feel, he's not feeling it, doesn't feel like himself. Uh, probably frustrated with it. Let's go into the offense. Absolutely clean slate. There's nothing on this board in regards to what Tim Hardaway Jr. can or can't do. We're going to learn what he can or can't do with this new group of guys that is here at the beginning of next season. And they owe it to themselves and to and to this dude in some capacity to figure out how to make him a positive asset. Because you, you short-circuit rebuilds by bailing on bad contracts pretty quick and taking back um, or giving up assets to get off of bad contracts? Well, I would start by saying there might not be anything on the slate other than you're a bench player. Yeah, that might be the answer. And I think you have to have that conversation with somebody so that mm-hmm. they're not uh, yeah, and are disappointed by it, and that might be a tough tough sell for him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've... I, Although he's done it before. It's just that you know he also makes a boatload of cash. Yeah, I think I heard um, Kent Bazemore talk about this whenever he got moved to the bench with Atlanta. And that dude's what twenty four million a year. Like he does, he doesn't make bench money, but he got moved to the bench and he was he was happy, he was happy about it because he because offense most teams offense isn't easy to come by in the bench, so your shot selection's a little bit different and you're not necessarily running the same uh, constraints inside the system that you are because buckets are hard to get. So if you can get them in a one on one capacity or just have you know efficient offense then that's positive for a bench player. So it's almost, you know, it's kind of playing JV your sophomore year. Yep. Uh, if you want to look at it that way instead of playing on varsity. But if it gets the most out of Tim Hardaway Jr., I'm ready. To, I'm ready. To, I'll try anything. I'll try him as a six man. I'll try him um, starting with an ultra big lineup. I'll, I'll, you got to figure out how to get a lot out of THJ. Cause if you, <laughs> If you get into the the idea of we need to get off this contract because he's not living up to it, um, that's to me that's not an area avenue I want to go down. I don't want to start dumping assets to fix things that you took back in trades and things like that. It just doesn't. It, it's it's really difficult to walk that tightrope, and I'm not I'm not here for it. Um, okay, what else do we have? My bag is empty. Bag's empty. Um. Okay, I think I touched on everything. <sighs> Overall, it's a tough time, Mike. It's not great. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying. I'm going into a game going. We're trying, Jennifer. I'm going into every game going. Uh, hey, Maxie's in double figures, and Dorian's in double figures, and Dwight plays a completely perfect game, and Luca does superhero things. Then we might be in it in the fourth quarter. Because right now, with what they're rolling out there as, you know, especially when Maxi was out for a couple games, and I guess we can, let's talk about Dirk. That's good, right? That's fun. <laughs> it is, except for, you know, whenever they basically said last night straight up that... He's not playing second half. That the matchup wasn't working. Yeah. But it's fine. Yeah. Um, so he's, what, uh, 35 points away from passing Wilt at this moment? Um, I think... If we plot that correctly and he has any kind of uh, 30K awareness to it, I think Monday might be the day. So we got Tuesday night, Spurs, Thursday, Denver, 
Monday Pelicans, I believe. I'm doing that all off memory. So if I got that right, I am freaking I am gal- confident galaxy, in the first two, but galaxy that's the only brain. two I can give you. Um, so Monday might be the day. Might be the pass Wilt day. Um, and if he's <laughs> if he's eight points like shy, and it's the second half of Monday's game, or even ten, I don't even care, man. Uh, against the Pelicans. Just leave them in. Yeah, and they're about to go on the road for, I think, two games. Three. Portland, Three. Sack, oh my Golden God. State. That's right. That's right. Just let him go. Just let the... Just let beat the, him. Let the big dog eat. Let my man launch. Give him give him the, the nuclear launch codes. Just let him do it. This is a conversation for another day, but I hope Dirt comes back. I'd I love hope it. He makes it weird for everybody. <laughs> I'd I hope love people it. spend two thousand dollars to go to his last game. <laughs> Pull up the SeatGeek prices sometime. Oh, and check that you out. ain't gotta. You don't, you don't have to run them by me. Yeah. I know how much they cost. So I hope he comes back. Yeah, and I hope they get to play in the playoffs next year. And I know he can't really like play sustained minutes against good teams, but you could still use him in situations. Yeah, and it would be fun. I mean, he wants. I don't know if. I don't know who wants to play with who more. If Porzingis wants to play with Dirk more, if Dirk wants to play with Luka and Porzingis more. But if it's like the last two games of the year and Porzingis is like, yeah, I can play. Like There's I was no just way. I was just building I was just building my way back and it was like, well, you got two there's two games left, bud. If you ever want to share a court with Dirk Nowitzki ever in your life, rips his ACL. <laughs> You would have to retroactively delete this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't scrub all the records so quick, dude. Um, yeah, I'm just, I just, if I'm in Porzingis, Porzingai, if I'm in Porzingai shoes, mm-hmm. um, the zinger I think is what we're going with right now, which I'm not totally comfortable. Well, with. we all know that there's only one nickname, but we can't use it. Mm. It's uh, if I'm him, and you're telling me I can either. Play with Dirk Nowitzki, my freaking hero. Like, I watched, I literally, I found a thing in the archive from the NBA Africa game a couple years ago, and Porzingis looks like a completely different dude because he's chubby. But uh, as chubby as a 7'3 dude can look. Um, and, uh, dude, he's just, like, losing his, losing his mind. Yeah. yeah. He is losing his freaking mind that he's getting to, like, shoot hoops with Dirk. Um, if, I'm, if I'm that guy, or if I'm just me, and they're like, oh, you got two games, and... You can either play with Dirk or you can't. That's a toughie. <laughs> That's a tough one, bud. I'm probably just going, F it. You know what? I shared a court. I started with the greatest uh, international player in the history of basketball. One or two games. One home game, one road game. It would be glorious. And think about that. It would be even better if he just came back next year. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be really fun, too. Um, Takes a sip of water. Yep. All right, I'm good. Taking sips of water. I'm good. <laughs> Loving that H2O. Me. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Busted. Uh, let's look at the schedule, I guess. Okay. Ah, I, uh, oh, I messed it up. They got a Saturday against Cleveland. Oh, I'm, yeah, that's right. But I'm Home right. game, yeah. Yeah, I'm right on the Pelicans Monday. Monday's when it's going to happen, kids. That makes me even, that's better. I four, think they're about. Four games for 35 points? They're middle of the road for remaining strength of schedule. So, obviously, You've got a couple pretty tough games, but I'm going to be pissed off if they lose to Cleveland. Absolutely. If they don't, don't want- if they don't challenge the Pelicans, I'm going to be upset. Yes. 
because they're playing Anthony Davis like freaking little kid minutes. It's going to be tough to face Harrison. That's going to be weird. That's going to be real They're weird. pretty much done. <laughs> yeah. The playoffs are pretty much done. Yeah, what is the... Uh, they're a good four back, I want to say. Them Kings? Clippers. Uh, Clippers kind of, yeah, they've made... The eight have separated. Yes. They're up there. Poor Kings. I know. I'm going to the Portland game, the Kings game. Oh, nice. And then we come back. I can give you some wrecks for Portland. <laughs> Hit me with them wrecks. I have some good ones. Uh, I want to move there. Some sweet IPAs on tap. And then I'm at Miami and Can't help OKC, <laughs> OKC end of the month. So if you're wondering why an episode isn't out a certain week. Just, just buzz re- off. Refer refer to this minute 103. We'll try to get back on schedule. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying, Jennifer. All right, I'm going to get the hell out of here. Later, I got to go see my kid. No, no, it's all your kid.